sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Top of the hour, 1 o'clock here on the East, 10 o'clock on the West. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you every day, noon to 2 Eastern. And even though the fantasy football season is over, doesn't mean we can't continue to talk fantasy, wagering, football, baseball, basketball, college basketball. We're going to do it all here on the show. Along with Joe, I am Craig. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Before we get to our headlines, one story that is percolating uh, in the college basketball world today, which is certainly interesting, is uh, March Madness, Joe. Looks like there's a potential that this is going to be held all in the city of Indianapolis, which I think is a fantastic idea. You can bubble these kids up. You have them all in Mm -hmm. one spot. Lucas Oil will host the Final Four. Lucas Oil Stadium will also host other games. They can play at three other college universities that are about 40 minutes away from each other, put them in hotels, and then we'll get a very good March Madness this year. I love this idea for the NCAA tournament, and I hope it happens. I agree. I think it would be very wise, very smart. And let's be proactive, not reactive, too, because it's so hard to react to these things when things go wrong. You have to anticipate things not being in a good place. And I think this is probably the best way in order to get uh, the March Madness we did not get in 2020. Hope so. That's for sure. Here are our headlines as we start the show today. Of course, earlier today, we mentioned Anthony Lynn was let go. So Anthony Lynn, Adam Gase, and Doug Marone, those are the three coaches thus far today. Of course, some other ones happened during the season, but Marone was the one that happened this morning. Uh, Celtics-Raptors tonight, Mavs-Rockets headline tonight's NBA slate. I'll be looking forward to Mavs-Rockets specifically. Houston is playing very well, surprisingly. I wonder if James Harden still wants to be traded. I don't know. Stanford at Oregon State, that tips off in about an hour from now. we got some afternoon college basketball, Maryland. Uh, takes on Indiana in the Big Ten. West Virginia will face off with Oklahoma State. And then we saw Kellen Moore is going to stay with the Cowboys. That's an NFL story there, turning down Boise State. But I think, Joe, what most people are probably interested in is a live look over on the FanDuel Sportsbook and tell everybody what the point spreads are for this coming weekend. And, of course, they have changed a little bit since they came out last night. But let's take our first look at this. And, Joe, let's start off with Saturday. The 1 o'clock Eastern game, Buffalo Bills, Indianapolis Colts. The, the Bills are laying 7.5. 4 o'clock Eastern, we know we'll, we'll want your opinion on this one. Seattle, minus 4.5 against the Los Angeles Rams. And then at 8.15 Eastern, which I think could end up being a really good game. I don't know. Something tells me that this, this ends up being a compelling <laughs> one. The Buccaneers, minus 8.5 at the Washington football team. So, uh, Joe, uh, Bills Colts has has a chance to be a really good game, I think, and, and certainly, I mean, you're getting a lot of points with the Colts there if you think that they could keep it close. <laughs> Seattle has not played their best football in the last month, but you know, I didn't realize the defenses they went against oh, the five mm-hmm. top five defenses or something like that in five weeks. So maybe that's a mulligan for them. Who even knows who the Rams are at this point with their quarterback situation? Maybe Goff is back. Maybe Cooper Cup is back. I don't know. I'll have to check in later in the week on that. And as I mentioned, Tom Brady on a Saturday night in the playoffs. That, that feels like some much must-watch TV. Yeah, well, theoretically, that 
Saturday night game should be a squash, right? I mean, you know, the Washington football team in the most inferior division and, you know, just kind of ended up, I don't want to say backdooring, but look, they, they weren't a great football team by any stretch, but they're there. And they are a tough football team, especially defensively, and, and they have the one asset that is potentially the most dangerous to Tom Brady, as I was pointing out in the last hour. It's that pass rush as we welcome in our radio audience here to Sports Grid and Fantasy Sports today. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Rams, obviously another one. You you mentioned that, yes, Seattle's not playing their best football right now. Did have some tough matchups, some tough defenses, but their defense is playing very well also. So if Jared Goff is not really ready to play, I'll tell you what, that Seattle defense to me is is really the story of the second half. You know, Russell Wilson carried this team in the first half, but that defense has carried them in the last few weeks. And it, it's kind of shocking because how historically bad they were in terms of pace in the first half of the season. But they've really turned things around there with a new identity. And uh, look, you know, the Seattle Seahawks are always going to bring an energy and, you know, the Pete Carroll is going to have them ready. And in terms of the Buffalo Indianapolis game, Indy has a great defense. But I just think they're going to be a little bit overmatched here. I just think Buffalo is really that good personally. All right, let's take a look at the Sunday games. And in the AFC, you have the Ravens taking on the Tennessee Titans. Baltimore's minus three and a half on the road. New Orleans in the Nickelodeon game is minus nine and a half against the Chicago Bears. That's Sunday at 440 Eastern. And then the Sunday night game. I really I like the way they set these games up. I, I guess mm-hmm. they could have put Saints Bears on Sunday night, but Steelers minus three and a half against the Cleveland Browns. I think that most of the world will root for Cleveland to see if they can actually get by Pittsburgh. Uh, But uh, any thoughts initially on any of these three? I guess we could start there. Well, I I think it's a great, you know, David and Goliath story there on Sunday Night Football, right? you got a Pittsburgh Steelers fan base, which is enormous, which is, you know, outside of the Cowboys, probably like the most national fan base, maybe even more at this point. Who knows? Because the Cowboys haven't been to a lot of playoffs in the last few years. But but, uh, look, I'm not surprised by them being the Sunday Night game, and it is that you know, us against the world kind of mentality for the Cleveland Browns. If you love the underdog, how can you not love the Browns? I think they are in a bad spot there because they have not looked good the last few weeks. Uh, maybe everything can come together for them, but I think Pittsburgh finally in that that second half against Indianapolis, I think they finally collected themselves and found themselves again. They can't run the football still. That's going to be a problem, but I think they can do enough defensively and offensively to beat the Cleveland Browns, at least first glance to me, that's kind of the feeling going into this game. I can't wait for the Nickelodeon game. There's going to be uh, there's going to be slime in the end zone and SpongeBob's going to be calling the game. I think I don't know. It's going to be fantastic. I will be watching it that way. But uh, I, I give the Bears a lot of credit for hanging in there with Trubisky. And look, Trubisky saved his job. Matt Nagy saved his job here. Getting this group into the playoffs at eight and eight. I think a really good job by them down the stretch. Montgomery's been brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Montgomery has been great, and, and that will be the key to the game against the Saints in what could be Drew Brees' last game in the NFL. If they end up losing, you never know. All right, coming up next, Packers and Bears. Speaking of which, we'll have it next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, the NFL MVP all but wrapped up on Sunday with Aaron Rodgers having yet another great game. Who would have thought turning the clock back for 
Aaron Rodgers, all it required was basically them drafting a quarterback to give that little extra motivation. I guess that's what happened because Aaron Rodgers ended up having a fantastic year. 19 of 24, 240 passing yards and four touchdowns. Unbelievable day for him against the Chicago Bears. Aaron Jones, 11 for 42, 4 for 43 through the air. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, two receptions, seven yards, and a touchdown. And, yes, he would have had another. He dropped it. Mm-hmm. Monte Adams, six receptions, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Caps off his all-world season, I would say, for Adams, who will be the first wide receiver taken in fantasy next year. That's a, that's a guarantee. Chicago Bears, Mitchell Trubisky. Nah, it was okay. I watched most of this game. It didn't look great. 33 of 42, 252, 22 rushing yards, and interception. David Montgomery, 22 for 69 on the ground, but he capped off his day with nine receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Darnell Mooney, 11 for 93 in his best game as a pro. And then Cole Komet, who absolutely is, thus far today, probably the one name I would circle here for 2021, Joe, because I do think that as the season has gone on, he's become more of a factor. And I know that he didn't really have any huge games this year, and I could actually make the case Tunyon on the other side is maybe more of a circle at the tight end position. Uh, but Komet uh, was drafted very high. And I think the Bears, as long as Nagy is back and that same system is back, I think Komet is going to be a factor next year. I agree. I would circle Darnell Mooney, too. Look, it's too late for Tunyon. Tunyon's already in that middle of the uh, somewhere around four, five, six in terms of tight ends, probably going into next year, depending on what format you're playing in. So that that ship has sailed. But just like going into this year, we we're talking about guys like Logan Thomas, talking about uh, guys potentially like Johnny Smith. I think Cole Komet's going to be that guy to talk about next year. And I draft him in a dynasty startup this year because I saw him play a little bit in Notre Dame last year, and I thought he was a tremendous talent. And I thought Matt Nagy would eventually figure out what to do with him. I mean, Matt Nagy, let's not forget, was the guy that also – Worked a ton with Travis Kelsey early in his career. I mean, that's that's the offensive mind that gave you the Travis Kelsey <laughs> experiment, right? So if Cole Komet can build into something, anything close to that over time, my goodness, that would be a stunning asset to have on a fantasy roster long term. But uh, Darnell Mooney's another guy. I, you know, I keep going back to that game against Tampa on that Thursday night. To me, even with Foles playing, that was that Darnell Mooney coming out party where you saw the moments and you said, okay, this guy's got something special here. He can be a thing, an incredible athlete. Uh, he went up for a couple balls in this game that were just tremendous catches. And um, I think if they do lose Allen Robinson, that they will find somebody else, another veteran. But I think Darnell Mooney could be ready as well. And, and it's odd because, you know, despite all the Bears shortcomings in this game, and there were plenty, as you kind of alluded to, they were still in this game only down by one score with about like five minutes left or so. They were like four and change. And they still only down by like eight or so at the at the time. And they were just kind of, you felt like, you know, the Bears just keep hanging around. They keep hanging around, of course. And then the score got obliterated and the, you know, after the turnover and the rest is history. But it, it was a great finish to the season for the Bears. The Packers are in a different class. But eight and eight, considering where they were a few weeks ago, is I think a great recovery for this organization. Yeah, I think they have a shot against New Orleans. New Orleans has been a little sure. up and down, I think, on on uh, on this weekend. Uh, before we get to Rams and Cardinals, I don't, I didn't see any of of the show on Thursday, Friday, or your Sunday show or your podcast. Or is the streak alive? Is do we are we continuing? The streak? <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I want to uh, the the streak is alive. Yeah. Be- oh no, no, the streak is is well. Yeah, it was alive because the Arizona. Yeah, I thought Arizona was going to win. You yes, took Arizona because okay. uh, of I, I, it I figured it as did. much. I I, hey, I, I bet I've got responsibilities I, here. I have just because you're not around doesn't mean I can't be here to fail the people. I am here to fail or you know be here for the people to help them succeed. Just because you're not here on a certain day, I'm not going to let everybody down and give them fantastic okay. information. They can go out and bet the exact opposite. So you're welcome, everyone. 
This is how we're going to start the new year. And the playoffs are right around the corner. They had a shot 13 in a row. That's that's, that's a big one. Bonus Rams time. Bonus Rams time. How excited are you? I hope they make a long run in the playoffs so we can keep doing this. It's going to be great. By the way, where's my hundreds? Or not. For Derek Henry. Or not. You may take them this week. And then, well, well, we'll see. Uh, this, This game... This game was an awful game. I watched this one too. I, I don't even believe that this graphic is correct. Is this gra- I watched this game and and I believe that this is incorrect. Um, did Cam Akers really carry twenty one times for thirty four yards? I don't it's remember. Gross. I watched this game. Is it's, that right? It's gross. It's true. It's gross. It's true. I did the double take this morning as well. Uh, this was a terrible wow. game to watch. I watched um, it and, and I didn't even see that. Look, I, I, I got to tell you, man. Like, I, I just feel like. If there's a there's a narrative going out there right now. I've seen it on Twitter, which is you know Walford really runs around a lot, and maybe he's a very different sort of uh, you know player for them, and maybe this is something different for this Rams offense with all the mistakes that they've been making. Maybe it's better to have Walford and just run, 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 and and do all this kind of stuff and play defense. I don't know, Craig. I mean, I'm not the biggest Jared Goff fan, but I mean, Kyler Murray got hurt in the first series of this game, and this was all downhill of this game from there. Yeah, yeah. But my opinion is this: I never ever fire people that is the one i know people too well in industries and and i hate to and i hate to do that stuff the story is is that kingsbury has got to go man they got to make a change they should not really? bring him back i i really don't think he's a good coach yeah i really don't think so um yeah. yes and by yeah, the way Cam I, Akers, Rams had no business 30. winning this game oh, sorry, even man. with even with uh this quarterback playing I, i'm telling you it's it, for me again watching the games like I do all year. The two coaches that I would replace this year would be Fangio and it would be uh Kingsbury. Yeah, I, w- I would not fair. bring Kingsbury. It's back. fair. I just, I, by I the just, way, I, and, and again, I don't know coaching. I can never pretend to be as good as a coach as he is, but the sure. guy has won nothing ever. And and well, I, I didn't. I, I, did they go over their total, Arizona? They they may have gone over their total. Oh, gosh, was the total seven and a half? Because if so, they did. I think it was seven and a half. I could be one. wrong. So like you, can't, I, I, you can't do them in for that. But with the talent that they have on the team, by the way, defensively too, they got some good talent. Weak for me. Uh, I don't know. Let's take a look at Arizona stats here, and then we'll move on okay. from this. Uh, Kyler Murray, as, as Joe mentioned, he was in, he was out. I don't know why they put him back in. He didn't look right. Uh, Chris Streveler ended up playing. He looked fair. One touchdown, one interception. Kenyon Drake is also another question that they're going to have to deal with in the offseason. He did not look great again. Uh, Hopkins got in trouble and got a penalty and all this stuff. Four for 35, and Dan Arnold had uh, three catches for 46 yards. Mm-hmm. But There yeah, was one I, moment, I, I too, that could have changed this game, Craig, and I think you know what I'm talking about, which is that that non-pass interference call in the end zone which was clear. I mean, I think it was Hopkins got a mug there in the end zone, and they didn't call it. Everyone's looking around like, how could you not call it? I mean, there were two guys tackling he got, him right, but he on got the penalty, head. and they got moved back, and, and it just – Well, I'm just saying – they had a third and 18 on the 30-yard line of, of the Rams in the fourth quarter, and they threw like a shovel pass, and they were done. And then he punted in the fourth quarter. I, I don't know. I, I just am not a fan. I mean, I, that's all I have to say. I'm not a fan for Fangio because I think that he is just – he loves a good field goal if he could ever find one, and that cost him the game yesterday too. <laughs> but but for Kingsbury, they really have like like a lot of good players there and a lot of – on offense and defense, and I don't like the calling. I just don't like the play calling. So – uh, and okay, Akers, Raiders, by the way, 1.6 yards per carry yesterday on that 21 per, uh, for 34, just in they case. Gotta I know you... back there too. They got to get a new <laughs> running back there, too. 
All right, Raiders and Broncos. This was a gift given by Denver to the Raiders. Raiders tried everything possible to lose this game, but Vic Fangio started calling timeouts with no time left and the ball on the one. I have no idea what this guy was doing. So the Raiders ended up winning. 24 of 38 uh, for Carr, 371, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Jacobs salvaged his season with two touchdowns and 89 rushing yards, but make no mistake about it, it was a disappointing year for him. Waller was just an absolute monster all year, 9 for 117 and a touchdown, and Brian Edwards had two receptions, 51 yards, and a score. Uh, for Drew Locke, 25 of 41, 339 passing yards and two touchdowns. He threw a long bomb to Jerry Judy. Melvin Gordon had a decent year, 93 rushing yards, had a touchdown. Noah Fant, 4 for 48, all quiet there. I Look, I, I just can't get over the dis- disgustingness of, of Denver. <laughs> like, I mean, they, they won that game. They won the game. And then, like, it's like, oh, timeout, timeout again. And they're like, okay, we're going to give the ball back to the Raiders. That's what we're really trying to do is give them the ball back with time. Sorry. Uh, uh, look, no, it's okay. Look, uh, all, my two cents on this one is, is just this. I, I think if you put a new coach and a new quarterback there, you got a lot of weapons. You could turn things around real quick. That defense isn't bad. Uh, I mean, you got Jerry Judy, you got Fant, you got Cortland Sutton coming back healthy next year. You got something there, but Denver needs to find a quarterback. Yeah, they don't appear to want to make that change. We'll be right back here on Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. A lot of people are accusing the Philadelphia Eagles of tanking late in the game yesterday by pulling in the quarterback Jalen Hurts and putting in Nate Sudfeld. Uh, look, it's it, it's really not a story for this show as, a, as opposed to other shows here on SportsGrid, but you can make the case that the Eagles were not as competitive as they should have been at the end of that game, potentially handing the Washington football team the win. Uh, I, I hear all other kinds of cases being made. Joe, on the Pittsburgh side, as an example, they sat all their players, so what's the difference? And then the co- counter to that is, well, the difference is Pittsburgh is sitting them for a reason because they're mm-hmm. still going to play another week. I understand all sides to this, but the reality of the situation is this. Uh, the, the, the players who are being drafted in the first 10, 15 picks of drafts and even beyond, as we saw with Jefferson in this year, these are game changers. And as long mm-hmm. as the system is in like this, where Philadelphia can move up or down three spots in an NFL draft, forget about the money. This is about draft capital. You don't have to trade anything, and you have the sixth pick overall in the draft. I don't think teams tank intentionally, but coaches and general managers can put their teams in worse spots going into a game, knowing what's at stake. I don't think that they necessarily tank this, but I understand how people on the outside looking in can look at it and say, hey, Eagles, you got to do a better job on Sunday night. You got to play a little bit harder. Um, but the NFL opened up this Pandora's box with these picks, man. Like it's that it, it's just gold right now in the NFL. Look at the players, the game-changing players that are out there. If you can have a six pick as opposed to the ninth, you wouldn't want that. And what did it require them? Just basically like for a quarter, saying, "Okay, we're done." It's basically what happened. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I mean, the Giants had plenty of winnable games. How many games did the Giants cover this year, Craig? Right? They were the cover kings of the 2020 NFL season. Probably so if you're the Giants, yeah. something like that. It was unbelievable. So if you're the Giants right now, sitting there, 
win one of those games. Don't let it come down to this. And then you're whining and crying about it at the end of things. I'm sorry. You're a six win team at the end of the day. You, you can't be worried that you didn't make the playoffs because of that. I mean, you're, you're worried about whether or not Philadelphia is, is going to, to play all their players or sit somebody. He, here's an idea. Don't let it come to that. Don't let it come to the absolute final minute. It's like the kid who doesn't pass his test and they waited to the last minute to study. And they're like, well, what do you mean I got that last question wrong? Well, you know what? Maybe if you studied a couple weeks ago, you would have been okay. And the Giants, look, I understand last week against Baltimore, they were completely outclassed. That's fine. But go back and watch right. some of these games they played this year. They were very competitive. They had a lot of opportunities. They literally gave away some games, too, that they could have been some upsets. And, and, I, and I've been very positive Giants all year. I was the guy at the beginning of the season saying the Giants will have a better record than the Jets. Remember we did that USA Today thing early on about how well the Jets were going to be higher up than the Giants. I'm like, what, what are they looking at in terms of roster? It's crazy. But the Giants put themselves in this situation. So you can't complain about what the Eagles did because the Eagles are going to do what's best for them and they're out of it. And you're right. The best thing for them is to get the pick. That's what you want to do. The better pick and three spots makes a huge difference, especially in the first round. Yeah, it, it does. I, I, I do think, though, aside from the Giants, you don't want to see that on national TV, you know, in the, in the last Fine. game of the year. And, and there's I don't know if there's a lottery coming and we'll discuss that coming up with uh, with mm -hmm. fantasy reality. But it's just it's not something you want to see in general for the NFL where it's all on the line and essentially your your third string. Right. Is Yeah. Your third string quarterback comes in. All right. Washington football team. Alex Smith. Comeback story of the year for sure. 162 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Antonio Gibson, really one of the MVPs of fantasy this year because he kind of came out of nowhere, 19 for 75. Uh, McLaurin ended up playing in this one, looked okay. Seven receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Logan Thomas had what turned out to be the big touchdown in the game and really the winning touchdown, three receptions for 37 yards and a score. On the Philadelphia side, as we mentioned, Jalen Hurts' numbers were not great. But he did work toward, I think, an interesting proposition for next year. Seven for 20, 72 yards, 34 rushing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Sudfeld was not good. Boston Scott got the majority of the carries with all the running backs out for Philadelphia. He had 65 yards on the ground. And then Arciaga Whiteside had two receptions for 40 yards. So this morning before the show, I did spend some time watching the press conference with Howie Roseman, the general manager, and with Doug Peterson, the head coach. As I've mentioned many times, I went to college with Howie Roseman. So I always enjoy uh, press conferences with him, not to mention he hasn't had one in a while. So you can imagine, Joe, the kind of questions that were being asked to Howie, just, you know, being battered and bruised and just, uh, just getting annihilated by the Philadelphia media for the season that they had and everything else. I thought he handled himself pretty well. Uh, he took accountability pretty much universally for the season. They did say all the right things about, uh, about Carson Wentz. But the reality of, of Howie's situation, Joe, and any other general manager situation, and, and, and the media has to do it. I, t I would do the same thing. I've done the same thing with the Marlins. But did they really expect Howie Roseman to go today? You know, yeah, Carson Wentz is done here. We got to trade him. We got to get rid of him. They're going to build him up as much as possible so they can get the most in return. It's like they were, like everyone was just waiting for him to say, oh, it was a disaster. And oh, my gosh, yes, we love Hurts moving forward. That's the guy that we're going to go with. It just didn't happen. <laughs> I just don't know what people expected. And of course, and I don't know what people were expecting either, because if you're the Eagles, Carson Wentz was a healthy scratch for this game, right? He was inactive. So right. what the Eagles are doing is they're protecting their assets. That's why Jalen Hurts comes out of this game, because what do you stand to lose potentially this offseason if Jalen Hurts is playing well into this game and gets hurt? 
How does that affect the offseason potentially? What if he goes out there and tears an ACL in the fourth quarter? How about that? How does that throw a wrench into a new coach Bro, situation I, potentially? Or, or or trying to trade Hurts or trying to trade Wentz or whatever you might want to do. Yeah. To me, the Eagles were protecting the organization as a whole, the assets they have currently, the assets they want to acquire in the future. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's just a shame that it was put on Sunday night football because in terms of the flex games, I would have put the Bears and, and Packers. I know the Packers played Sunday night last week, but so what? Bears and Packers, at least, you know, marquee kind of stuff. Aaron Rodgers going for MVP. That would have been the game for me to put on. Well, no, it made, it made sense them putting that game on. And, and, and the better explanation of that was uh, that no matter what happened, Joe, between Dallas and New York, you were getting one of the major markets to watch the true. Sunday night game. And, that, and you had to. And, and I get it. I, I It wasn't the best game, but it made the most sense. To, and that's all they care about is ratings. They don't care about who's winning and who's losing. Like if Tom Brady would have announced that there was his last game ever, Joe, Tom Brady would have been playing on Sunday night. Like right. I mean, They just want people watching the game. Uh, but anyway, I I, I – I, it was a very enjoyable press conference to watch where just every tomato was thrown at Howie Roseman and, and Doug Peterson. And they're just like dodging. And good for him to take it. Look, Howie Roseman's got a Super Bowl ring, right? That's not that long ago. He does. So this he is does. the natural he course does. of things in sports. There's always going to be the highs and the lows of these things. You know, you're, you know, it's the Bill Belichick's of the world who last 20 years. That is the anomaly. You know, the Mike Thomas of the world have been around a decade. The, the Harbaugh's, I mean, this doesn't happen often in the NFL. It's an incredible thing when it does. And the Eagles fans who, you know, for years and years, were always whining about never having the Super Bowl. You just got that. Are you ready to throw this whole regime away? I want to talk about this more tomorrow. I know we got other games, but that yeah. is the big question. Are we ready as the Eagles to throw this entire regime out with the bathwater? And I don't know if you should necessarily. We should talk about it tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, he basically said in the press conference that he he was thinking about you know rebuilding, retooling this year, but you know they got a little more aggressive than they maybe they should have. I thought it was pretty candid. Anyway, all right, uh, Titans, Houston Texans. Boy, I don't know what to expect from Houston going in this. I'm sorry, Tennessee going in this week. Tannehill, 216 passing yards, 38 rushing yards, three touchdowns. Derrick Henry got over 2,000 for the season and 250 in this game. Houston's defense was not motivated by J.J. Watt's speech last week. Let's just say that. A.J. <laughs> Brown, 10 for 151 and a touchdown. Corey Davis, 5 for 39. We'll move very quickly to Houston. Deshaun Watson caps off another unbelievable season. 365 passing yards for him, 12 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. David Johnson actually showed some signs of life at the end of the year, so I think he'll be back with someone next year. 14 carries, 84 yards, three receptions, 36 yards, and a score. Cooks had a great game, 11 for 166 and two touchdowns. Kiki Kuti, 6 for 60. And then this big tight end, Farrell Brown. I don't know a lot about him, but he looked pretty good in this game. I'm going to keep an eye on him next year. Five receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Tennessee's defense, Joe, is terrible. It is just brutal, awful. Every word that I could speak, it is it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Mike Vrabel's a great coach. I know he's yeah. great strategy, everything, but I, I just can't figure out. They can't stop anybody, and this has been going on all season long. So are they going to stop, the stop Lamar Jackson this week? No, I don't think they're so. they're not, and this is why I keep coming back to it. I, I, look, you want to talk about ratings? Tennessee's good ratings. The Tennessee is the is the must see game every week because they're fun because the, the special teams is a disaster the, the defense isn't very good but the offense is so fun that's it to me it's always like who's Tennessee playing that's the game I want to watch because you know it's going to be entertaining it's going to be full of fantasy goodness and I love it uh, but I, I will tell you man I mean going into this contest here 
uh, it's no surprise that that Houston wasn't going to rally around because they don't have the personnel to rally around that J.J. Watt speech. It was an incredible speech. We spent a lot of time on it last week. And J.J. Watt is the lone asset that the Texans can move. And watching Deshaun Watson's like part depressing, part amazing, because you're watching this guy who's just incredible at the position. And it's just he's it's futile. He's like wasting away. It feels like in, in Houston, potentially, with the way the future of this organization is set up so poorly over the next two years, it's going to take somebody very creative to come in here and get them out of this jam. And I don't know what it's going to be, but you want to talk about the biggest risk reward, it's Houston, because Deshaun Watson is that good. Tennessee, this is my concern with them, too. It's, it's Can they stop Lamar? No. And the problem with Tennessee is the difference between them defensively this year and last year. Last year, they got to the quarterback. This year, they haven't. For whatever reason, if it's a personnel thing, some injury issues, just a combination of whatever it is, they don't get any pressure on the quarterback. When you don't get pressure on the quarterback, it's very difficult to stop a lot of teams. And I'll tell you what, they have their hands full next week because let's not forget, it was Tennessee that went into Baltimore last year and punched them in the mouth and knocked them out of the playoffs after that bye week. So if you think Baltimore is not looking and licking their chops, they are. If would would you give up New England's next uh, three years of first round picks for Watson? Hundred percent, no hesitation. I think that's the kind of deal that's going to have to happen in order for Watson to get traded. It's going to have to be like the rest of your life in picks. And by the way, Houston may have to look at it. They may have to look at it. All right, we'll take care of the Colts and Jaguars next, as well as fantasy or reality. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you until 2 o'clock on the East. We'll be right back here on tomorrow's show. Our friend Josh Cohen from PC Sports Cards will be with us. Go over some of the latest and greatest sports cards. Uh, NBA, Interesting NBA start, I think, so far to talk about. So we'll have that coming up tomorrow. Uh, Colts and Jacksonville Jaguars both uh, really coming down to the end in this one. Jaguars put up a fight against the Colts as, uh, as the Colts did not put on their best show, that's for sure. Phillip Rivers was 17 of 27 for 164 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. They were just leaning on Jonathan Taylor all game long, and he was mm-hmm. delivering 30 carries, career high, 253 yards, also a Colts all-time franchise record and two touchdowns there. Naheem Hines, two carries, 17 rushing yards, six receptions, 50 yards. T.Y. Hilton scored a late touchdown to boost his fantasy value. We'll see where he is next year. Another interesting name, I think, potentially out there. For Jacksonville, they chose to go with Mike Glennon again, and Glennon actually put together a good game plan and and almost carried them to a win. 261 passing yards and two touchdowns. Dare Ogubale, Ogunbale, 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 14 carries, 50 (laughs) yards, four receptions, whatever. Won't have to say his name again. Chris Conley, seven receptions for 87 yards, and LaVisca Chenault 
had six for 68 and two touchdowns. So, the, uh, Joe, I, I, the Colts are, are similar to the Titans to me in a way that you don't really trust what they're doing. You know that at any time their defense can clamp down and stop someone. Why that didn't happen against Jacksonville in a must-win game at home, I have no idea. Uh, they just continued to let Jacksonville in the game. I don't really trust Rivers a heck of a lot. But, look, I suppose that if their defense just has a great game, they can advance. But if the Colts do win this week, they are not getting past next week. I can tell you that. I mean, they're either done this week or done the following week. Just not. I, I, they, they proved me wrong this year for sure. They got 11 wins. I did not see them winning that. So I got to say that I was dead wrong about the Colts this year. I thought that they would be horrible with Rivers, and I thought this would be the end of Rivers. I still think this may be the end of Rivers. But uh, Jacksonville basically just almost took them to the end here and almost put Miami in the playoffs. Yeah, look, I think they're the reverse negative, all right, of the uh, Tennessee team. They're they're equally unpredictable, but their their strength is the defense as opposed to the offense. So at any point in time, the offense can kind of go quiet. Incredible game from Jonathan Taylor. Uh, in some ways, you know, you can start to have the argument, is it safer to take Jonathan Taylor next year or Ezekiel Elliott? I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but how much mileage is on Elliott? And, and what does Jonathan Taylor look like in these last few weeks, which is just he looks spectacular over the last month and change of the season. So uh, in terms of Indianapolis, uh, look, you're probably right. And and I was certainly the guy who was much more pro Indianapolis. I thought they were a playoff team. They have gotten to the playoffs, but I don't have a lot of faith in them to make a run. I think they're going to get uh, crushed by Buffalo. And I think Vegas is telling you they think that, too, because that line is, what, seven and change. And on the Jacksonville side, I will say this. You know, you drop Trevor Lawrence in there next year and LaVisca Chenault becomes really an intriguing player. I would keep an eye on him. Robinson was a revelation this year. Um, look, I'm not ready to give up on DJ Shark like some people are, but LaVisca Chenault, that's an interesting player next year with a guy with that kind of a caliber arm like uh, Trevor Lawrence. I'd love to see that come to fruition. So don't don't completely dismiss the Jaguars going next year. Keep Remember what happened this season when Joe Burrow came in and T. Higgins became good and, and Tyler Boyd became really good and all that stuff, all that good stuff that went on. That could be the Jaguars in 2021. Yeah, we'll see if Urban Meyer ends up taking that head coaching gig there. That would be out of nowhere as well. I mean, now we know that he's the favorite, but I just did not see that one coming. Okay, uh, let's close it out. Fantasy or reality here on this Monday, January 4, 2020. Let's get started. A lot of controversy last night surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles, who looked like they had no interest in tying, let alone winning the game on Sunday Night Football. Joe, uh, the NFL will definitely take a look at this. There's no question. They don't want that integrity being challenged. Oh, the NFL can't challenge integrity, that's for sure. They will change <laughs> to a lottery as opposed to the current draft system they have to avoid this in the future. Is that fantasy or reality? I think it's fantasy. I think it's an interesting discussion, and I think it's worthy of the topic because then you kind of avoid some of these circumstances like you had on Sunday Night Football. But – I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I like competitive balance. I like the fact that the worst team in the league can turn things around with that new quarterback or that one piece, and then all of a sudden the next thing you know, uh, the entire organization's turn around. I mean, think about that. Think about some of these teams that have had that number one overall pick and have hit on it and how different they are. I mean, look at the Colts, right? What, what a bad situation the Colts were in twice in their franchise history. Peyton Manning, number one overall pick. That changed everything. Andrew Luck. Changed everything for them right after Peyton Manning, right? You thought, oh, they got the world is ending. Well, you know what? You're bad one year and you're right back in it. So that pick has a, an incredible weight. And 
I think you want to keep things competitive. I think the NFL is at its best when all the teams are somewhere around eight and eight, give or take. And every week you have no idea what's going to happen. It makes for great television and it's a lot of fun. I don't think they're going to. So I'm going to say fantasy. Craig, what do you think? I think it's a fantasy also, but the reason why I think it's a fantasy is actually a little bit different than maybe what you would think. I think that if you added the lottery to this and let's say put in Joe, a pseudo lottery of like three or four teams, because that's really all we're talking about every year. We're not talking about more than that. I think you could have more teams trying to get into that lottery at the end. Potentially could even have more teams trying to lose to fall into that bottom three, because I don't think anybody would accuse seven teams in the NFL of tanking. You may this year have, tried to accuse the Jets or tried to accuse Jacksonville of doing that or maybe Miami at the beginning of the year last year. But if you open that up, I think that you could have some teams that look at themselves at four and seven and go, oh, maybe we should lose some. Maybe we have a chance at the first pick in the draft by getting the lottery. So uh, I'll say fantasy. I am a little worried, though, based on what I saw last night. I don't don't think that you can have that going on. And, And I think that there will be more to this. I don't know what, but I think that some more is to come with that that finish mm-hmm. last night. We'll see. All right. Uh, Derek Henry ended up rushing for 250 yards. He did get to 2000 yards. He's been uh, amazing now going on two straight years. And I, I think it does beg the question because no one is even close to where Derek Henry is in terms of rushing fantasy reality. Derek Henry will be the NFL's last 2000 yard rusher. Tennessee of course has had two of these. Chris Johnson did it many years ago. Now Derrick Henry got to 2,000. Is there a chance, Joe, that the NFL regresses, goes back to a rushing league, and we start to see more 2,000-yard rushers? Uh, I'm going to say it's a fantasy. He won't be the last one. And it's not because of uh, the change in concept necessarily and everyone going, let's go back to the run and all of that necessarily. I think there will be transcendent athletes and transcendent backs like there always have been in the NFL. And they'll be dropped into the right system at the right moment. And I think when you look at this league, the the big change is obviously it's a faster league, right? So uh, everyone's bigger, stronger, faster. So the fact that you're getting running backs that are built like Derrick Henry, they're as fast as Derrick Henry, there will be somebody else in that mold of entry or somebody else like that. and, and it, or, or maybe it'll be a, another kind of style running back like a CJ2 was or that same Tennessee team years ago. I think that this is more an indictment, I think, of some defenses in the NFL and the lack of physicality in certain defenses. I mean, how much can we malign the Atlanta Falcons over the years and some other defenses just don't tackle? I think if you drop the right player in the right system in the right division, you can get 2,000. Uh, I definitely do. It's going to be tough, but I think it's definitely doable. And it's more because of the state of the NFL and, you know, the, the money that's flying around and how much guys want to get in front of guys and tackle them and take them down. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, Take a lot of money for me to stand in front of Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get near that guy. Um, I'm going to say reality. I think this is it. I don't think anybody does it again. I, I think that it takes a special guy to be able to do it. And and I don't see anyone doing it again. I think Henry could maybe do it again. So maybe that's the caveat. I got to throw it, that in there. And I know Chubb oh. did rush for a lot of yards last last mm-hmm. uh, last year. But I think this is it. I, I don't think you're going to see it. The amount of... Two back running, two back systems there are in the NFL seems to be more prevalent than the one. And just when you think you got a good running back on your team, the team goes and drafts another one to bring in competition. It happens all the time. It happened last year too. So I'm going to say uh, reality. He's the last guy. I don't think there'll be another one in the NFL. That's it. All right. Fantasy or reality, let's move over to the quarterback position in the NFL. And we've talked a lot about Philly today, a little bit about Miami. Jalen Hurts came in 
showed some life with the Eagles, played relatively well, I would say, in the time that he played. A lot of rushing uh, for him, and, and certainly from a fantasy perspective, looked pretty good. To attack of Aloha, I mean, actually had a winning record as a starter, threw more touchdowns and interceptions, but again, you know, kind of limped to the finish line here, and they did not by all accounts, Joe, open up that playbook at all for him. It was a lot of dink and dunk for sure. So it is a tough one here, but fantasy reality, you'd rather have Jalen Hurts over Tua. Well, let me just say, I will play the game that you've laid out here. I will play your little game, Craig Mish, but it's way too soon to answer this question. I mean, I don't think we've seen enough of either of these guys in the right spot. So just for the sake of fun, I mean, I've seen more Jalen Hurts moments that I'm excited about in the NFL than I have Tua moments. So right now, prisoner of the moment, as I am, I will probably go with Jalen Hurts just because it feels like he's got a confidence and a feel for things. And then Tua, you know, I I don't know if it kind of seeped into his brain a little bit of the confidence of having Fitzpatrick kind of lingering out there and then coming in and taking over games. It was reminding me of back in the Michigan days with Drew Henson screwing up games and he was the golden child and Tom Brady would come in and save the bacon of the Michigan Wolverines. But I I don't know. I, I, I love Tua. Tua was incredible in college. I think you want to give him a full offseason. I think you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think you want to give him uh, basically the run of the playbook, as you're alluding to. And you want to give him a proper offseason with all these weapons and things like that in order to make a better judgment on this kind of question. But right now, I've seen more out of Jalen Hurts this year than I have Tua, and Tua's had more opportunities. So and that, that's not something I would have ever thought I'd be saying. So let's see if uh, I'm the only one who's a prisoner of the moment, Craig. What do you think about this? I think in fantasy, I'd rather have Jalen Hurts. In reality, I can't answer the question. I, I, I don't think it's fair. Look, th- there's no doubt that you have to be able to have questions about Tua. That is fair. And if you don't, then you're a Dolphins fan that has season tickets, that you're just blind to anything that you've been saying that Damon Heward and Jay Fiedler and Chad Henney were all going to be great. Like if, if you have those blinders <laughs> on, then yes, then, then you saw nothing wrong with Tua. He made a lot of bad decisions. He did not look great. They did not open up the offense for him. It's a fair question. Is it the kind of question that makes you go into the offseason and say, with the third pick in the draft, Miami should take another quarterback? No, that I don't think. (laughs) They had nothing around him. They had no offensive weapons outside of Parker here and there. You mentioned Gusecki. Gusecki was good. He probably could start for someone else in the NFL. They're running backs. Come on. These are all backup guys in the NFL, although they look good at different times. Let's get real. They they didn't have weapons. They have the third pick in the draft. They can take Devonta Smith. They can take uh, you know Etienne. They could take uh, you know a- a- they could take Najee Harris. They could take any offensive weapon they want. They have two picks mm-hmm. in the first round. They're gonna end up doing that. They could sign free agents. They have a ton of cap room, and then you can make that judgment. But I I just don't think that it's fair yet. And again, he had a huge hip issue that kept him off the field for a year. They had no training camp, no preseason. I'm not an excuse guy for Tua. I do think there are too many excuses for him right now going around saying you can't judge anything. That is ridiculous. I mean, he did not look he did not look great in the time that he played. So let's let's call it what it is. Yeah, but to take right. Jalen Hurts over him right now in fantasy, I could do it. In reality, oh, yeah. I don't think I. Can. I think I need I keep, more here's time. Here's the I'm ultimate. Hurt, running all over the place, running for touchdowns. I got to be real there. I'd rather and, have him. And exciting and confident. Confident and exciting. And 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 that's kind of what I'm basing. You know, watching him play quarterback, Tua seems skittish. He doesn't seem Tua-like. Now, that's something that could be a product of the situation. There's no doubt about that. But isn't it ironic to think that Miami was pining for Tua last year? He got hurt. He fell to them at six. 
And then there's Justin Herbert sitting out there throwing seven 300-yard games this year. Kind of makes you wonder, right, for a sec? Be careful what you wish for. Okay. Herbert definitely had the better rookie season. We'll see what happens next year. All right. Sports Grid 60 is next. We'll wrap it up for this Monday. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Wow, it is 2021. We got here, finally. That's a good thing. So it's Monday. We're going to open up here with our SportsGrid 60. This is 60 seconds of a final thought of the day. We do this every day here on the show. If this is the first time you're watching, welcome in. Unfortunately, you're catching us here at the end of the show, so you got to go back and watch us on demand for our SportsGrid 120, not 60. So with that, here's Joe. He's got a SportsGrid 60. Joe? Dad jokes abound today. All right, look, six, the number of wins for the Giants this year. You can't keep complaining that you didn't get in the playoffs when you're a six-win team. I don't care who's starting who or who thinks that somebody wants revenge on you. Stop with all that noise. The New York Giants fan, I get you. I understand. Saquon Barkley got hurt. It was not what you thought was going to be. Last year wasn't thought you were going to be. I understand it's been a long time since you felt really relevant as an organization. But look, good news is on the horizon. It looks like you might have the right coach. The team plays for this guy. You have an all-world running back. You just need to keep him healthy. You will see. Hopefully you can. If you can't after this year, then it's really time to start rethinking this. And I'll tell you what, Daniel Jones at times this this year has also played well. So New York Giants, I get it. I understand you're upset. But get off the social media and the Twitter complaining about how, well, the Eagles didn't do what they were supposed to do and the integrity of the blah, blah, blah. The Eagles have their own problems they're trying to worry about, okay? And they're trying to protect all the assets they have, including their draft capital. All right, I'll end it with this. I I know that it's no fun to go against the grain here, but the one thing that I hate, and I know a lot of agents hate and people hate, is when people get fired. And today we're going to see a lot of folks in the NFL lose their jobs because it's a public job. It's on television. These guys coach teams that play in the NFL. So I've always shied away from that. I got caught up in the past, fire this guy, fire that guy. And then as I covered Major League Baseball more intensely and saw people losing their jobs and being upset about it, understanding their families, they're going to have to move from the city they're in to another city. These, These coaches and players are in different parts of the country every single year. Have a little compassion for some of these guys. I'm not saying that Anthony Lynn is a great coach, but he's probably going to have to move to another city. It's just not easy. That'll do it for the show. Thanks to LTN, for Brett, Joe Pizzapia, and Craig. Great day. See you tomorrow.